brother. Okay guys, week four of Name of the Wednesday. And so far we've already tackled some pretty meaty theories, but we needed to first before we could stretch ourselves to today. So if you haven't already checked out the first three videos in our Name of the Wind playlist, I highly recommend you do so by clicking right up here, but otherwise, here we go. Now, there are more than plenty of massive questions that remain at the end of the second book of this three-part series. Like, who even is the king that apparently Quoth might kill? What war is going on during the interludes? What are the Skrail? And why are they attacking? Also, who is Bast and what are his motives? And it just keeps going on and on and on. Like, there's so much to wrap up in this third book. Maybe that's why it's taking so long. But the one that we shall try and tackle today, I believe we can tackle today because we have already answered two of the other unanswerable questions. Unanswerable. How'd you answer it then? Mostly whiteboards and coffee. No, but seriously, those questions were, what is Quoth's last name and who is Dennis' patron? In our previous videos, we have outlined the reasons why we believe that Quoth is almost certainly a lackluster by his mom's side of the family, and Dennis' patron is none other than Chandrian top man number two, Cinder. And those bits of information, I believe, help us answer today's question. What happened to Quoth's powers? Candles are great for sympathy reasons. They don't go in libraries, and we have three that all have fantastic and wonderful flavors. They are available right here. Go check them out. I love how short the ad reads are allowed to be when we're the ones doing them. Okay, so we all know that the story is hopping back and forth between Quoth retelling his entire story and the interludes that are happening in Nowhere, where he is the innkeeper named Coat. If you've read the story, then you absolutely know that names are important things, and the fact that Quoth has changed his is significant. If not, you know, fairly on the nose, how is nobody in this town picking up on the fact that there is a red-haired man named Coat in front of them while they are telling stories about a red-haired man named Quoth in front of a red-haired man named Coat? I already said that part. Heck! He outright tells one of the boys in the town who he is, and the boy literally laughs in his face. Aaron burst into a sudden laugh. I'm just having some fun with you, Mr. Coat, lord and lady, but I ain't never heard a liar like you before my whole life. Think he got a little extra twangy southern by the end of that. <laughs> but most assuredly, this is no laughing matter, as we know from when Quoth asked Elodin at the end of Wise Man's Fear why someone might keep changing their name. What would you think of someone who kept changing their own name? What? What have you done? Nothing. It's not me, it's a girl I know. Fella? Oh no, no, she wouldn't do something like that. She's too smart for that. Now, to be fair, Elodin does calm down when Quoth assures him that it's just calling names, not true names. But his reaction suggests that the changing of your true name could be disastrous. And disastrous is the right word, especially when you consider what Quoth ultimately changes his name to, Coat. The meaning for this particular word is not exactly right on the nose, but if you look carefully, we are told exactly what it means. It takes place shortly after the fire in the fishery, and Quoth and Kelvin are talking to each other and exchanging story-worthy tales of how they handled their parts of the problem. I am. Do you know the saying, Sean Van Eden Coat? Seven years, I don't know Coat. Expect disaster every seven years. It's an old saying, and true enough. Jay says that I'm reading these quotes at like the same speed that I listen to the book, which is at like the two times speed. So I don't know, is it weird that it's fast? But do you get it? No? Riley, could you play the clip again? Expect disaster every seven years. It's an old saying, and true enough. Do you get it now? 
Coat means disaster, which is sad and tells us a lot about how Quoth views himself. That said though, good old Bast or Battle Bast, I'm really not sure. Bast is desperately attempting to get Coat to realize that he is still Quoth, to take up the mantle once again and do something. Frankly, we have no idea what Bast's motivations are. Nonetheless though, he does seem to be getting moderately successful results in getting Coat to realize he is still Quoth. At the end of The Name of the Wind, the skin dancer or demon or whatever it is attacks and Coat tries to catch it on fire using sympathy. Quoth dipped a finger into the liquor that spattered the bar. He muttered something under his breath, his forehead furrowed in concentration. He stared intently at the bloody man standing on the other side of the bar. Nothing happened. Then towards the end of Wise Man's Fear, when the Waystone Inn is being robbed by the two men, he tries to use that special form of break lion that he was taught by Celian. But again, he fails. These two instances suggest that it's not simply a matter of will involved. It's not that he's unwilling to attempt to do something. It's that he actually can't do it. The reason for which is because he changed his name in the way that Elodin warned against. So he, Coat, knows the story of Quoth. He lived as Quoth. He has Quoth's memories, but he is not Quoth. Not to worry though, Quoth is still around, just locked away, but more on that later. So far into this theory though, we're not even touching the meat of the bone, like analogy wise. It's more like the napkin or possibly the plate. You know what they say about finding the right analogy. It's as hard as, raise your hand if you got that reference. Let us know. Okay, but so getting to the meat of it, Quoth lost his powers because he made a promise to Denna and broke it. Actually, you know what? That was kind of it. Now to the bone. The promise in question is in regard to Denna's patron, which is a huge point of contention between these two. Quoth is deeply skeptical of the unusual practices of this patron, while Denna, on the other hand, is so proud of herself for securing such a patron. But a huge part of her being able to maintain that patron is not telling anyone who he is. Koth is the only exception. And even for him, they make up a name to use when talking about him, Master Ash. This secrecy is so important to Denna though that she makes Koth swear to not try to uncover his true identity. And Koth being Koth and trying to impress her, I think maybe goes a little bit too far on how much he swears on. Promise me you won't try to find anything about him. It could ruin everything. You're the only one I've told in the whole wide world, but he'd be furious if he knew I mentioned him to anyone. What would you swear it on? What's important enough that it will hold you to your word? I swear I won't attempt to uncover your patron. I swear it on my name and my power. I swear it by my good left hand. I swear it by the ever-changing moon. See what I mean? He, that was too much. It's a big swear. Also, what control do you have over the moon, Quoth? On the whole, I do still think that Quoth is pretty suspicious of who this guy is and what he's up to, but I also do think he genuinely means it when he makes this vow. He will not attempt to uncover her patron's true identity. The problem with this particular promise though lies in Quoth's number one mission, finding the Chandrian, and specifically amongst the Chandrian, Cinder. And if you recall who we believe to be Dennis' patron, it's Cinder. Do you kind of see the problem here? Like Quoth means it when he makes this promise. He swears it on his name and his power, which if you can guess where we're going with this means that at some point Quoth is gonna find Cinder. And if I know anything about Denna and Quoth's relationship, she's probably gonna walk in right as it happens. Classic Cersavian and Aloine. Am I right? I am, but that's a topic for a different day. My point is Quoth is just 
unlucky, a man without luck. What would we call that? Luckless. Oh, right. Lackless. The last name we believe him to have. But do you know who is also described as not having any luck whatsoever? Jax, the guy who literally captures the name of the moon in a box. Oh, the thoughts we have about Jax, but moving on. Quoth's name is in a box and not just any box, a box that he could only open with the powers of Quoth. It's like locking your keys inside of your car. Now that was a good analogy. Get it because you can't get inside without the keys, but the keys are inside. It's a conundrum. But this idea of keeping a name inside of a box comes up more often than you might think. Again, going back to the story about Jax, who literally takes the power of the moon by trapping it inside of a box. It's actually this moment right here. But Jax only gets part of the name. Other parts can still slip out. But the same idea also comes up when Quoth is making up the story about Chronicler. The High King's name is written in a book of glass, hidden in a box of copper, and that box is locked away in a great iron chest where nobody can touch. But don't worry, it gets better. We even know the box. As you may recall, during one of the interludes, Bast wants a lesson, but not a book lesson, Reshi. Book lessons are boring. It's a bold statement to put in a book that's 150 chapters long, but whatever. I know it's 152. Okay. But the point is, he doesn't get a book lesson, no. Instead, Quoth challenges him to get inside of his thrice locked chest. And Bass offers up a whole bunch of different solutions, and Quoth explains why each of those solutions wouldn't work because of the built-in defenses of the chest. First of all, it is made out of raw wood, which makes it extremely heavy and extremely hard to burn unless you could literally put it in a forge fire, which you probably couldn't do because of the aforementioned weight. Plus, even if you did, you would risk destroying the contents inside, which by the by is the exact same reason why Melu and Lackless doesn't want to destroy the physical box from her family. Say it with me, Bernie. Coincidence? I think not. Anyway, finally Bass goes for his last resort, wood's worst enemy besides fire, hatchets. This is where I would go next, Reshi, if I were genuinely interested in getting inside. But if you'd rather I not, don't look at me, Bast. I'm dead, do as you will. Bast grinned and brought the hatchet down on the rounded peak of the chest. There was a strange, soft ringing noise, like a padded bell being struck in a distant room. Two points here. One, the hatchet didn't do anything. And two, here's the thing about this particular lesson. I don't think that he's just testing Bast. I think Quoth is literally trying to figure out if Bass can find a way inside the chest because he also wants in. In fact, we absolutely know this to be a fact because later in the story, we literally see him try and fail to get inside. While he has even more resources at his disposal, he literally made the chest himself and has the keys to the chest. Like if you can't get into a chest that you made with keys that you have, what do? We also see him go so far as to try the Taberlin the Great method, just commanding it to open. After replacing the keys in their box, he put his hands back on the sides of the lid in the same position as before. Open, he said under his breath. Open, damn you, Adro. He lifted his back and shoulders, tensing with the effort of it. The lid of the chest did not budge. Quoth gave a long sigh and leaned forward until his forehead pressed against the cool, dark wood. Seems a little bit ridiculous, but he did actually successfully use this trick at the bandit's camp on the lockbox they had. Although again, it's not that surprising that it didn't work this time because the power that he needs for it to work is inside the box. But don't worry, it gets better still. First, let's go back just ever so briefly to the hatchets that Bass tried to use to damage the wood or otherwise just mar his way inside. 
What did it say? There was a strange, soft ringing noise, like a padded bell being struck in a distant room. Boy, howdy, if that doesn't sound an awful lot like what Quoth's arrow catch invention does when Kilvin tries to shoot it with a crossbow. There was a harsh metallic clank, and the bolt stopped midair as if it struck an invisible wall. This time, Kilvin spotted the source of the noise. Hanging from the ceiling in the far corner of the room was a metal object the size of a large lantern. It was rocking back and forth and spinning slightly as if someone had just struck it with a glancing blow. It's a really cool invention, and Kilvin is very impressed with it. And what do you call it? That was one part of my invention I hadn't managed to finish. I'd thought of a hundred names, but none of them seemed to fit. Kroth, who we believe to have a literal knack for naming, can't think of a name for his own invention? Delvari had it easy, Master Kilvin. He just made a better axle and stuck his name on it. I can't very well call this the Kvoth. And to be fair, you, Kvoth, probably can't. But Master Namer himself, Elodin, basically does. If you'll recall, Quoth shows Kilvin the arrow kits just before he heads off to chase the wind for like a hundred chapters. During that time, it is believed that he actually died at sea and in order for the fishery to sell the device, it needed a name, so they brought in a load in. Here's Quoth discovering what they called it. I turned it over in my hands and saw a word grooved into the metal. The blocky letters went deep into the iron so I knew they were part of the mold. They read, bloodless. Bloodless, as in Quoth the. Bloodless. This is the first name that Quoth got on his journey to becoming a legend, and it kind of weirdly works in two different ways. On the one hand, it represents his kind of low birth as being a member of the Adimaru, but also his inability to bleed when whipped. Okay, so I feel like I haven't properly explained why this is super cool yet. Bast tries and fail to strike the box with his hatchet, but instead of actually being able to strike it, there's a soft ringing noise in a distant room. Meaning that in addition to the other defenses that Quoth put into this particular chest, the weight of the thing, the wood, the copper lock, the iron lock. It's very likely that in addition to all that, it's also a bloodless, meaning that the box contains the name of Quoth and is a bloodless. It is literally Quoth the Bloodless. A bloodless that I expect is a much more advanced version of the one that he made for Kilvin, which could only take eight blows. You'd need an endless supply of energy for something like that though. But if we go back to the very first question Kilvin ever asked Quoth, how would you make an ever burning lap? Sounds to me like, he figured it out. In summary, it goes like this. Quoth promises Denna that he won't try to find out the true identity of her patron, but it just so happens to turn out that her patron is somebody that Quoth is already chasing. So when he accidentally ends up breaking that promise, he creates a chest with the power of his name and puts his name inside of that chest. And now it can only be opened with that power that resides in the chest. Guys, for my question of the day, this wraps up the four weeks of Name of the Wednesday that we had originally set out to do. How have you felt about them? Do you want more Name of the Wind theories? Let us know in the towel section down below. Also, don't forget that next week is Super Carlin Brothers Spirit Week, starting next Monday. Each day of the week has a different specific theme related to the fandoms that we discuss here on the channel. We highly recommend that you go and find a way to show your fandom and use the hashtag SCB Spirit Week. We have Pokemon Day, Harry Potter Tuesday, Marvelous Wednesday, Disney Pixar Thursday, Formal Friday, that's where you just dress up and really fancy stuff, Star Wars Saturday, and SCB Sunday. Get creative with it however you see fit, wear a costume or dress up as a certain character or show off a cool collection you have. Jay and I will be reposting as many of your photos as we possibly can over on Instagram. So if you wanna go and follow us over there, you can do so at these spots. And finally, we will close out the work week on Friday, May 21st with a trivia stream right here on the Super Carlin Brothers channel. 
Otherwise, guys, as always, thank you so much for watching. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you'd like to see the rest of our Name of the Wind playlist, you can do so by clicking right over here. Otherwise, until next week, bye.